Hello and welcome to Unstoppable. I'm your host, Kerwin Ray, and today we are talking all things interior design and business with interior design magnate Lorena Gaxiola, who has actually built and managed over a billion dollars worth of real estate worldwide in her business. She's won the Gold Nugget Award, and she's also been featured in the Daily Telegraph, Cosmopolitan, and New York spaces. We had an incredible conversation. Oh my God, there was so much stuff that we had in common. We talked feng shui, clairvoyance, infused water, and also on being a parent when growing a business. You're going to want to check this one out. I really enjoyed it. Have a listen. This episode is brought to you by Nail It and Scale It, the world's leading fast growth program for businesses. If you have ever wanted to grow your business faster than what you can right now, if you need to make more revenue, if you need more leads, if you need more clients, if you need to know how to plan your business in a strategic way in order to hit big goals, if you need to learn how to scale your business and grow your team and your business so that you have more freedom, then this program is for you. Imagine three days immersed with me where we cover all aspects of business, but we do it from an immersive but also an execution standpoint. We execute every step of the way and we're looking at five key areas we're looking at your psychology we're looking at your marketing your sales your leadership and we're looking at your planning and how we integrate these five key areas to grow your business and your brand quickly so if you'd like to find out more information kerwinray.com Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great honor and pleasure to welcome to Unstoppable today. We have Lorena Gajola. Hola. Hola. Como esta? Muy bien. ¿Y tú? Thank you for coming. That's all I got. That's all I got. Thank you for coming into Unstoppable. Thank you. Thank Gr- you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. Um, I know um, when the producers put your, uh, your your information in front of me, I was I was reading through and going, wow, wow. You've really led quite an interesting life. <laughs> A little bit. Uh, and quite diverse at the same time. Like I know you've been involved in art, interior design. Design, uh, property uh, development, I believe, as well. Um, why don't you give for those people who perhaps don't know more about you? Why don't you give us the fifteen-second rundown, uh, and then we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. So, what's the high-level overview of the life of uh, of Lorena? Which I like to call myself LG, by the way. LG. <laughs> people oh, call right. me LG, just so you know. Um, but that's okay. You can call me Lorena. Uh, overall, I'm just a creative person. Ever since yeah. I was a kid, I, I love coming up with stories and drawing and painting and and just um, had a huge imagination. So my father's an architect. My brother's an architect. My mom was an artist. So I grew up in a family very much involved in, in the creative arts, You know, whether it was singing, painting, drawing, whatever it was. And um, eventually I ended up in interior design and we can talk more into detail if you want to ask me questions about how I got into interior design. Um, and you know, when I finished my career, my first job was designing fit outs for in the United States and California for developers. So that was my entry path to the world of interiors and stay there pretty much ever since. So I've been working with property developers ever since. 1996. Yeah, wow. So that's a long (laughs) time. It's a long time. So I've worked in markets throughout the United States, various different states, in China, and now in Australia. Okay. But I'm going to assume it hasn't all been, um, you know, blue skies, lollipops, and rainbows. Oh, my gosh, no, because of the cycles of the, you know, real estate industry, ups and downs. So it's been been quite a ride. Let's go all the way back, because I I know you mentioned talking about how, you know, when you were younger, I think you went to your dad and you said, I want to be an architect. Is that right? Well, my dad being an architect, I was very good at maths. Even my um, my maths instructor and every all my teachers in school, they always just call me architect. And uh, when I told my dad that I wanted to study architecture, he told me architecture is no career for a woman. And 
I wasn't offended. He was so did basically you grow up, wanting you, to did protect. Did you grow up stateside or did you grow up in Mexico? No. So I was born and raised in Tijuana, the right. city that borders with San Diego. Wow, that's the a pretty. city of sin. Yeah, it's a pretty rough place. <laughs> I think it just has a bad rap. But it's Look, I, all I do is read the, the fucking government warnings, okay? I've never actually been there. So that's I can't all right. Really I say. didn't have to jump the fence. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't have to camp or do anything like that. But <laughs> I was born and raised there and I finished my high school. And when I wanted to go to university, my dad suggested, you know, we, we live a very bicultural um, uh, our culture in Tijuana is is, is it's cross-border. We right. come and go from San Diego to Tijuana. We have a special permit that allows us to go through a right. fast lane. Uh, we can go to school in the United States, live in Mexico. So, And, and it goes both ways for the Southern Californians as well as the, the Tijuanans, is how we call ourselves. So my choice for university was to go to San Diego. And I went to Design Institute of San Diego and studied interior design. That's because when I asked my father um, if, I guess I just asked his recommendation if architecture was a good career for me. And he suggested that maybe I should try interior design. I never heard of interior design. We're talking early 90s, this yeah, is right. 1993. And um, and then interior design had just become accredited with a fine arts degree. Um, so he did, he wanted me to have a full degree and he suggested, listen, I'm gonna put you in the best school that I know right now in Southern California that you're gonna get the top education for design, but try interior design and that's how I I started my my process. And was it something you fell into quite easily, being the creative? Oh, I loved it because I'm a bit of a dyslexic. I wasn't one, you know, I wasn't great at history or English or any of the very heavy um, subjects. Um, When I went into university and everything was about color theory and art and painting, it was just a breeze. I loved school every day. It just came naturally. So Uh, did you have to work academically quite hard? Because it didn't sound like academic... Academia was uh, a natural genius to you. I did. I mean, I wasn't top of my class, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, even creatively, I, I can remember the first project was this elevator that I had to design in Aspen. It was like an horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It was like the people, you know, the teacher said, you know, people are going to slip in that elevator. The materials you chose are terrible. Um, so no, I mean, I I I wasn't one to study very hard. I just right. kind of just did what it was fun. Yeah, and when you found interior design, it just it all made sense. It it made sense. I I gravitated more. I mean, to be honest with you, the last year in, in my design school is when AutoCAD came out. So right. I actually studied AutoCAD one. <laughs> That's when I it, my whole life has been like drawing by hand and the old wow. erasers and everything. So are you more technology based <laughs> now, or 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 have you are you still a little bit old school? And- I'm old school. I I do know how to use AutoCAD, but I definitely completely 100% rely on my team to take my vision to right. you know today's technology um, but I also think the fact that I'm very good at sketching yeah. I'm able to um, show my clients really quickly my ideas so perfect I know we've uh, we hired a couple of designers here and the thing that really made them stand out was the fact that when we we're having a discussion on the spot they said oh you think we're having a discussion about design I said oh hang on when you say that and like they mm-hmm. sketch, and they sketch something out I was like Wow, so you can actually use a pen, not yep. just a, a yeah. mouse. Yeah. That's quite a, an impressive crossover and a, and a feat. So you left university, you graduated. Before I graduated, actually, when uh, in all my senior design classes, um, my teacher was the one that pointed to me the, how I had a very interesting perspective and, and point of view. Um, whenever I needed to do cross sections or something that had to do with drawing, I always brought a sense of three dimension and um, so she really pushed me harder to do things like like uh, instead of just running a a line across a floor plan I was able to move it and zigzag it so that I can tell the story of the space Um, so she was instrumental of me understanding more of the the 
the more interior architecture than it was like finishes and material yeah, and the cutesy right. little interior design things. And when I graduated, she actually, she being an architect herself, she went to my dad and she's like, I want to meet your dad. She met my dad and said, just want to let you know that your daughter should have been an architect. <laughs> and, no yeah. uh, how did he take those words? He said, I know that. And that's why she's going to be the best interior designer. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Do you mm-hmm. honestly believe that that skill, because you said interior architecture, and I would imagine that interior architecture becomes before design. Absolutely. I think it, it worked on my favor 100%. Yep. I wouldn't, I mean, trust me, I, people say, you can still study architecture. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to go and kill myself and draw and do all those things. I, I like the idea that I have a different perspective. Mm. When I look at things, I don't look at them in, in two-dimensional. I look at 3D. So when people show me a home, I don't just think, oh, you can put a sofa there or a chair. I actually think your ceiling height should be a different height or you should, you know, it's, it's, in, it's in 3D in my head. You mentioned before that you were dyslexic. A bit. A, a bit dyslexic. Yeah. Do you see that as a gift that has actually supported you really well in, 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 the, in the creative field? 100% because I don't follow the rules. Mm. I tend to break the rules. If you give me 10 steps, I'll do step one, then five, then three, then 10, <laughs> and then come up with 11. <laughs> Here I was thinking it was a female trait. It's actually dyslexic. Okay, that's great. All right, and so you, you, you graduated, you got into the interior design world. What happened then? How did you grow the empire that, you've, you, that you have? I mean, really was just, I don't want to say trial and error. It's just getting to know people. Um, I, I worked very hard. I, I had a full-time job. I went to school at the same time. I wanted to be independent and start earning a living since I was very young. I moved out of my parents' house when I was 21, got my own place, got, had my job. So that really drove me to become more successful and wanted right. to make more money, right? Because I wanted to travel and buy things and why not? Um, but working for another company, I realized early on how I needed to just follow somebody else's rules. and. I don't want to say that they're better or worse designers. It's just a different style for me. When people, back in the days, people would just grab a, I mean, it's still the same thing. Now it's Pinterest, right? Oh, I love that design. Copy it, kind of like that. So it's a copy paste. Back in the 90s, it was a photo. It was a beautiful $10,000 Ralph Lauren chair. And and my, my boss would say, let's just get that carpenter to knock it off. That method just kind of turned me off. Mm. And I remember one day I said to her, maybe we should design this furniture. And she told me, we're not furniture designers. Just do what I tell you, basically. Yeah, I mean, not, not in a rude way. So it was just little openings. You know, my eyes were just starting to like, okay, this, this is not what I expected. And it just started giving me a natural, I don't know, a sense of curiosity of what else could be out there. Um, one of the partners in that firm, um, he wanted to break up and start his own gig and he wanted to start manufacturing furniture and selling it to the industry. And he knew that I was curious. I was already interested in furniture and designing something unique. And he invited me to start that company with him. So we started my company in the U.S. called Quattro Design, um, designing and manufacturing furniture. Right. Um, Shortly after he you know. Was that separate to the interior design or you're doing them both in conjunction? So what happened is when I finished with that, I, I had no intentions of continuing working with the development industry. Um, it just felt very cookie cutter for me. Right. And um, But once we broke away, um, some, of the, some of the people found out that we started a new company and they said, would you guys like to do our fit outs? And we you know, were like, okay, we'll take one, you know, it's money, why not? And one became 10, 10 became 100, and then it just became a company. And we slowed down the furniture um, aspect of the business and we just focus on, focus on interior design. Right. And what, when does that bring us up to? 
That brings us up, and that actually was very short run. Yeah. Um, Joe was uh, is his name, Joe Holiva. He was amazing. He was the one really who helped me um, understand the side of the business. Right. And um, two years after that, he wanted to just venture out and do other things, and um, he allowed me to buy the company from him. Right. And um, I became a sole owner of my company at the age of 25. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so when you, you've gone from being you know, someone who would have been a great architect to being an interior designer who would be a great architect to now being a business owner, mm. did you find that there was a massive shift in terms of not only the responsibility but the skills that were acquired? 100%. I was really fortunate because his background was in accounting. So he actually set up really great um, procedures in the company. So right. everything that had to do with business were set up perfectly. And then um, I always had a, my business administrator who was with me and she's my best friend to this date. She continued that for you know decades to come. And so that made my business, gave my business a very solid foundation right. um, when it comes to b- the business aspect and employees and hustling and getting work. That was very tiring. That was very, that tested a lot of yep. buttons for me. Um, but it made me grow. What did you discover about yourself in that initial period when you, because I can only imagine at 25 years of age, you know, you're, you're a partner in a already successful growing mm-hmm. business. You get the opportunity to buy your partner and you're thinking, happy bloody days. But you literally go from being in many parts, most parts technician, least parts leader. Then all of a sudden you're running this big show. What were the biggest mistakes that you made in the early day when you were tra- transitioning? Oh, how from- long is your show? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I just well, I made biggest- a mistake this morning. Yeah, yeah. I make mistakes but what every were the day. Big ones, because you know a lot of people they think you know they, they go I hate being a technician. I want to quit my job and go and work for someone else, and then they quit their oh, sorry and go and work for myself, and they quit their job and they go and work for themselves, and before they realize they fuck I know nothing about business. I might be good at the at being an interior designer, but I don't know how to run a business. I I want to say that I just have the determination of an eagle. Yeah, I right. nothing takes me away from my focus. And I knew I wanted, I, I, I already knew the taste of working for myself. I didn't want to go and work for anyone else. Right. So that really drove me to do whatever I you needed to do. You hate being told what to do, don't you? I, I don't mind being guided. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but diplomatic. at the end, I like to be creative. Yeah, right. Um, I think it was, I had to learn early on how it wasn't just about me. Yeah. You know, once you start having employees, you have a responsibility. How many um, employees did you have at this point? I, uh, I think I had like only four okay. back then. And uh, But still, I mean, I was 25. They needed yeah. to pay rent and, you know, bills. And, and I can I, only assume those four employees were older than you probably were. About the same age, actually. Okay, right. Yeah, wow. yeah. So I, I've always hired people that were like like-minded yeah, and that, right. that doesn't mean that they have to be my age but they have to like have the same groove you yeah, know like right. i can't just bring an accountant and like you know so it's boring you know <laughs> <laughs> i have to just have people that have the same right. i guess way of thinking um but yeah uh so once i started having the responsibility to pay for employees and have to find the work to support the business i i realized early on that i started sacrificing really what my personal taste was you know i started just taking on work for the sake of paying bills right and that wasn't um the most fun and how long did you do that for before you started to get that hollow three years ago (laughs) (laughs) until i moved here full-time to be honest with you so you did that for quite some time i did that for a long time But you built quite a substantial business doing that and it's because of that i mean once you started it's it's really hard to scale it back and and once once your clients already exactly you know your clients already know they already have these expectations you can't just change the rules halfway yeah and so you you were in that business for how long ultimately uh, couple of decades? Yeah, no, like uh, 15, 16 years. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. And you time. exited it about three years ago. 
three years. I mean, I didn't exit it a hundred percent. So what I did was I had a little baby girl, and she was going to start school. Uh, my husband's based in, here in Sydney, and originally I was commuting back and forth. My business was in California, and I had just started. Wow, that's a long distance. Yeah, so we were. I was commuting, and I started having a few clients here, and um, you know, my clients here didn't want to give me the big projects because I wasn't here a hundred percent of the time, and then my clients in America didn't want to give me the big projects either because I wasn't there 100% of the yeah, time. Right. So um, eventually I, I had to make a call and Australia won the won the ticket. And um, so I shut down my business. I laid everybody off. I closed the company and wow, you know, you shut I, it down. Complete, I shut it down. That's ballsy. How come you didn't sell? Why? Who was, I mean, it's me. Yeah. They had to buy me. Why? My clients but buy me. It's not a, it's, yeah. I, I, look, I completely understand mm -hmm. that. And that's one of the biggest creative dilemmas. And whether you're an interior designer or in some cases a, an, a brand agency that is underpinned by a big name, Ogilvy, mm. as an example, it is hard to do that. And so most people do end up just shutting it down, which is what you did. Yeah. I mean, it's just because I always want to be in control of my own self. Yeah. And my company's my name. Yeah. My company's my name. Who nobody else is gonna be able to manage it better than me. And I am what I do. Yeah. And a lot of people say that's not who I am. What I do is not doesn't define me. That this is this defines me. Okay. So you've got quite mm -hmm. a um, an interest in property as well. Like you're managing about a billion dollars worth of property? Uh, in combination at uh, real estate value for the clients, a uh, right. combination between the business. So what happened in the US is when I left the client said, We love you, sorry we can't work with you remotely. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you guys you really should give me a try you know it doesn't matter if I'm in Australia I'll make it worth your, your while and they're like no thank you so much three years later they're knocking on my door and it's like okay how are we going to make this happen <laughs> so last year I started you know coming back bigger and better than before they're giving me wow. better challenges better projects um, involving me in a in a greater picture so it actually ended up working on my favor yeah right mm -hmm. and so when you manage these properties now what does that look like what is it is it different to the interior design or is this now managing the development side so it's uh, they bring me and they just because I've been in the industry for so long right so yeah. we're talking two decades and in in many different markets so I I'm quite knowledgeable as far as demographics and and, str and strategies and and market analysis and to target a particular group of people um, and, and 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 my clients understand that that is a really strong skill that I hold yeah. so on the big jobs they're involving me in the creative strategy for entire development properties so yeah, right. I'm involved in uh, with the urban planners with the landscapers with the architects the the street naming, the common area. So my team here out of Sydney, which is fantastic. I mean, they're just so creative. And Are they all Australian? They're, no, because yeah. Australia is all diverse, you know, <laughs> Colombian, Brazilian, yeah. Yeah. Iranian, some Australian. Yeah. So, and that makes it so cool. It's like fucking United Nations in here. So yeah. I, yeah. Oh, it's the same with us. Yeah. It's the United Nations. Yeah. And, uh, and it makes my work so beautiful because they just bring all these fresh ideas to the table. And, and my clients are you know, especially in America, they're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Um, so we come up with the original concepts and then it gets handed over to their local groups. Um, so they don't feel like I need to be managing the process. They, the, the main client only talks to me and they say, Lorena, I'm gonna build 1000 homes and this is for the, work, for the workforce. And show me something that is super cool that no one's ever done before. And then that's it, we just go 100% at it. So something that really stood out for me when I was reading your profile is um, you're into feng shui. I am into anything that is energy balancing. Right. 
So for people who don't know anything about, and by the way, I've 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 been brought up in a very fringe environment. Mm-hmm. Mother was a clairvoyant, a psychic, mm-hmm. uh, and that's I already the, like your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's just the beginning. So she would like you mm-hmm. uh, a great deal. My, my actually, my mum was a clairvoyant psychic. My dad was actually one of the world's top economists. So wow. like fucking ta-da. Um, <laughs> but with um, the feng shui, like that was something that was discussed in our house on a regular basis. You know, mum was always repositioning things and putting mirrors and bhagwans in certain places to make sure that the energy was flowing mm-hmm. right. But for people who don't know what feng shui is, like, why don't you give us just a, a quick explanation for what it is and how you use it in the context of, you know, what you do? I mean, I don't claim to be an expert in feng shui. Um, you know, I work with an amazing feng shui master here in Sydney. It's just a, a door. And she's been... What's her uh, name? Her name is uh, Gail Arthanan. Yeah, right. And um, she's taught me so much. Um, I'm understanding how... I always knew, and and my, my, my natural way of designing is to create some form and function. I think things need to have an order. Yep. Um, and that creates a sense of uh, serenity and peace. Also, the, the typical mentality of mind, body, and spirit can be carried on into your home you know the way that you are the way that the the way that you carry yourself it's like your past present and future so whatever you do there's always like a three-step process how can we bring that full circle um feng shui is such an art um people think that just by putting a plant or or a mirror or the door or the angle of the bed that gives them good feng shui to have true good feng shui has to be about the angle of the window facing east that gives you the energy it's very very complex. so it starts at the foundations it's it not starts in the, at the foundation i think the best part of feng shui is really bring it into the early development process mm. when the developer is about to design a site plan bring a feng shui expert and place the building exactly in the perfect feng shui form and that will naturally generate beautiful energy for the entire um, community, not just the one room, the one person. You can then take it to, you know, I guess smaller bits and, uh, you know, having, like you said, the mirrors and the corners and the waters and things like that. So to add a little bit of context, and I'm not sure if you have any data, I don't know, but I'm, I am curious myself. When you look at the value of feng shui, especially with, you know, such a, a, a very large Asian mm-hmm. market in Australia when it comes to buying property, not just, you know, foreign buyers, but also local investors. Do you see that there is a significant uplift in value of businesses that have been designed with, you know, a good balance in mind, such as feng shui? I mean, I've I've had, I know of people that do claim that feng shui is, is a, direct representation of their success on the use of feng shui um i think but is it have you ever heard stories of well this house over here it's not feng shui it's right next door it's almost exactly the same the house next well, door I, was I hear de- it all the time was designed with feng shui and it fetches like 300 400 oh, more i hear it all the there time but then yeah. It's like people think that you're the cuckoo out there and you're a witch <laughs> and you're, you know, it's like feng, people think that feng shui is superstitious and it's not. It's not superstitious. It's 2,000 it's, years of environmental science. It's a science yeah. and, and people think, you know, but at sometimes what you don't know doesn't hurt you, you know. Yeah. So for those that they don't have to stress, if it's not feng shui, that's okay. You know, it's like as long as you bring form and function and order yeah. you know it's, well, it's probably it's fair okay. to say there's been there's been more mm-hmm. research done in feng shui in asia than there has been in western medical science mm-hmm. when you consider how far back it goes i mean all i can tell you is look at hong kong hong <laughs> kong is designed around feng shui and look yeah. at singapore so you know mega cities they're, mega they're, wealth they're not eating peanuts so you <laughs> <laughs> so you're uh, you're also quite entrepreneurial um, like it's obvious in terms of your independence i can sense the independent strength in you like you're mm-hmm. a very strong woman um, but but I'm also interested in the fact that you've created your own crystal infused water. 
Like, is this a new project? You know, it's funny that you mentioned your mom because my mom was also very spiritual. When I was growing up, if I had a headache or if I was being a, a troubled teenager, my mom will sit me underneath a pyramid. You know, so I grew up with a mom. <laughs> you want to say with you? hundred <laughs> percent. The wooden pyramid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she'll, my God. She'll uh, balance my chakras. Yes. And, you know, take me to crystal healing. Yes. And, like, I was, taught, I was taught how to heal my mom's period <laughs> pains when I was like three or four. Uh, it was unconventional Reiki, uh, it was yeah. really funny when I had my baby and she wouldn't sleep I, I went to America my mom right away had like all these crystals on her back she was like one month old and my baby's like Aah! she's like full of crystals all over <laughs> her body but I grew up with that and um, I, I do believe in the power of energy and mm. the connection with mother nature and crystals is one form at least for me you know walking barefoot in grass and going to the ocean and you know my mom bless her heart and she may rest in peace she used to talk to the ocean and she'll just sit in the ocean and she'll She'll be a tree hugger and as the trees, can I hug you and then give me energy? And it was just, that was my life. Oh my God. Mm. So I'm going to kind of take this along that that path. Your mom was obviously quite intuitive. Uh, Yes. And is that something that you you picked up? 100%. I'm a bit of a medium. See, I'm going to shock you. This is where it's going to be the crazy person is going to come out. No, bring it out. Um, I started seeing spirits when I was eight years old. I might sound a little schizophrenic nope, here. Nope, not at all. But, um, You're in a safe place. <laughs> a very safe place. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so my mom taught me a lot on how to kind of conquer my fears and how to... Did your mom have a very distinct laugh? Uh, no? Yes. She did? Hmm. Okay, right. Carry on. <laughs> she's there because there was a, a, an older woman up there just laughing. Yeah, and I was she's like, That's around a me right laugh. now. She's, she's always around me. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, she passed three years ago of breast cancer. Um, my condolences. Yeah, She's a beautiful you. woman. Yeah. So you were saying your clairvoyancy? Your, your my clairvoyancy, when I started um, understanding it, she was the one that would help me calm down and just not get too stressed. And that's how she started taking me to pyramids. Because it can be quite overwhelming. When it, was, it was so yeah. scary. It was yeah. very scary for me because I would go to my dad or my sisters or my brother and you're like making it up, Lorena. And at one point I thought, maybe it is in my head. Maybe I am making it up. And, um, and, I, and I learned early on to just shut it out and not believe that what I was seeing was real. Um, and it came back to me uh, early 20s and um, through wow. dream interpretation. So I'm really good at interpreting dreams. Yeah, right. And I have super vivid dreams. And um, You lucid dream on a regular basis. All the yeah, time. All the time. Water, tsunamis, um, houses. It's, uh, all the time. My dreams are nuts. It's like a movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> So that's, yeah, so, that's yeah. interesting. So that's why the the crystal water. I my office is full of crystals. My home is full of crystals. Uh, <laughs> you know, if, if there's a full moon, I get my stepchildren to come over and we do a full moon ritual. And you know, oh it's just that, that's just the the normal. Can you adopt normal. me? Like, can we be friends? Like, this is like right up my alley. <laughs> you should see the people in my office. They're always laughing at all my craziness. That's incredible. Mm. That is really incredible because it's interesting. I had uh, almost a very similar experience because my mom was very clairvoyant, very psychic, and I. Never Never used to. She'd even read tea leaves, mm. you know, in a cup, and I'd never let her read my tea leaves, or never let her read my cards, because especially as a teenager, she'd know exactly what's going on, and she'd be reading my cards and be like, "What are you doing here?" And I'd be like, you know. But what was interesting is when I was young, my mum used to say to me, "Oh, you've got the gift. You've got the gift," because I used to walk around like a little chatterbox talking to the, mm. talking to different entities. Uh, but then my friends would come over, and my mum would, being my mum, my friends would look and go, "Your mum's a bit weird." <laughs> and so same, same, same. Yeah. I started to push it down, but yeah. it wasn't until my mid twenties yeah. it came out again. Yeah. But funnily enough, it came out because the, my mentor at the time taught me palmistry. Mm. 
and uh, he was using it to pick up chicks. I was just curious based on the anatomy of, of palmistry and I started reading people's palms just for shits and giggles and then boom, it just flooded out of me and it was, uh, it was, it was quite overwhelming at the time. So you have a crystal water. What, are you, is this marketable? Is this just for, just for I you? I mean, like, uh, it, it really creates a met, uh, metal flavor. Some right. people like you, you just... It depends on the crystals. Usually, right. it's just um, it's just quartz that you can just mix, or you can have the birdstone crystals, and you just put them in water. You have to be careful and see which ones contain too much metal. Right. Um, and then you just let your water infuse, and you just drink it. Right. And it's just a good way to like replenish your. It's it's a it's a natural electrolyte I, that I believe. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but um, I also sometimes just put like a big uh, pink quartz in my water, and then yeah. I just drink it like that. Yeah, sometimes, right. not all the time, but sometimes. Well, I'm actually seeing drink bottles now mm. with the, yeah. the, the big quartz mm. or the big rose quartz yeah. or amethyst yeah, stuck down the middle. So you um, have a three-year-old? She's seven now. Seven now, mm. seven-year-old baby girl. Um, she, she was born in Australia as she well? She was born here. She's a Lepsican. My husband is Lebanese, <laughs> Lebanese-Australian, so we call her the Lepsican. The Lepsican. Half, Le- half Lebanese, half Mexican. So um, your first child? My only one. Your only child, same as your husband? My husband has three kids from a previous marriage. Okay. So I'm a stepmother to um, two ladies and one gentleman. Okay. They're in their 20s now. And so now you're back again at it running a successful business. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're now married to, you know, the, the Mr. Right, Mr. <laughs> Australian Lebanese. Um, but you're now also a mum as well. Mm-hmm. How are you finding it different from being able to dedicate wholly and solely to the business to now like you're balancing not only a relationship, but also a child as well? It's it's been so rewarding um, beyond words because when I had my daughter, everything that I thought was gonna be went the other way, went south. Not south, but it was just whatever I had planned. It didn't go my way, and uh, but it it made me. Uh, change my way of thinking and, and change my perspective of what I wanted in my life. And then she was really the pivoting point on uh, me reorganizing my career um, in the U.S., just working with clients and having all this work and just producing design. Uh, when she came and I and I was pregnant and I was here in Sydney, I originally was going to have her in America. The doctor said, you're sick, you're not able to travel. So I had to sit here in Sydney and start doing the work remotely. So that was my first education on like, okay, I need to adapt and I need to work with my clients and tell them that I will not drop the ball, even mm. though I'm on the other side of the world. Mm. Um, so that was one step. The second is because I had so much time in my in my hands that I started designing my own product. I thought maybe I should think of a different creative uh, outlet and that I it can be a little bit more of a sustainable business where I can um, have product and sell it that I don't necessarily need to go and hustle for work basically um, so she gave me that outlet so it, being a mother is just been overwhelmingly creative for me um, to add to it when I was in America managing both my product brand as well as my interior design business and then I had to make a decision about her education I thought the best place for her will be to be in Australia where her father is um, then it allowed me to adjust now my business and close my business in the US and establish it here in Australia and 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 set my I was able to I guess establish my business under my own rules now. Mm. When I was 24, I inherited my business yeah, right. through somebody else's rules and in my 40s is my way, which is it's been amazing. So you designed the business around your life rather than designing your life yep. around the business. Yep. And so do you believe having the daughter at this stage of life, where you are in your professional life right now also, has made you far more effective and efficient? 
I make decisions for the right reasons. Mm. You know, before I fell, you know, in my 20s and 30s, because you're panicking, right? You just want to be successful. You just want to make it out there. So you compromise a lot of your personal life or your or your identity because, you know, what clients are expecting of you. Um, now, I don't care. It's not that I don't care. I, I literally tell my clients, oh, I can't do that because of my daughter. And yeah. before I would say, oh, I can't do that. And then like for another reason. Now it's like literally, yeah. no, because of my daughter. I'm a lot more honest. I'm a lot more uh, exposed. And yeah. it's, it's worked better for me do you find it's giving you a new appreciation for time it's giving me a new appreciation for life Mm. i think it's more i enjoy my work a lot better um i have a very small team my team is back to the way i had it back in 1999 you know i only have five people here in sydney and there's two people that help me in america and we're managing a billion dollars worth of real estate value between (laughs) seven people yeah um you don't need to have a huge business in order to have great projects yeah. you can have a handful of amazing projects work for amazing people and work a little bit less that's fantastic mm. so what's next where to from here I don't know dinner tacos <laughs> 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 I don't know I just every day is a new experience I mean I always like I said I'm always finding of creative things to do I fly out to America on Wednesday I'm very excited to go and visit my clients I haven't seen them in a couple months um, so have some some interesting um, design presentations coming up next week so we're very pumped about it fantastic so if people would like to find out more about about you where can we find out more about you my website lorenagaxiola.com now i'll spell that just in case mm-hmm. l-o-r-e-n-a gaxiola g-a-x-i-o-l-a dot com lorena this has been a real pleasure like a <laughs> real you. pleasure thank you so much for coming <laughs> thank in thank you for having me absolute pleasure welcome okay. ladies and gentlemen that was lorena gaxiola on unstoppable thank you for listening thank you this episode was brought to you by nail it and scale it the world's leading fast growth program for business there you have it guys thanks for tuning in to unstoppable with me your host Kerwin Ray. And do me a favor, don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think. I love reading what you guys have to say and your reviews. Make sure we keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with me and all my movements, please jump onto the website, kerwinray.com. And also check us out on social media at Kerwin Ray.